Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the Famadelic Experience podcast. This is your host David Kolosic. In this episode, we continue with unconventional career paths, this time consulting. I was glad to host Andrei Baichanu, a pharmacist with academic background who works as a consultant in one of the big four consulting firms focusing on R&D and regulatory affairs. We talked about how he got interested in switching from academia to consulting and what consulting is all about. He shared a lot of interesting insights on a recent project he worked on, as well as shared useful advice on professional development. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Hi, Andrei. How's it going? Hi, David. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time since we since we last spoke. We had some really nice conversations back in the days when you were still in academia, and now you switched to consulting. How did that happen? Well, you know, things move quite fast in some areas, especially today. As you know, might or might not know, I'm a pharmacist. I've graduated from the University of Cluj-Napoca, that's University of Medicine and Pharmacy. Then I basically did a few things, including working in a community pharmacy, also in some hospital settings as a clinical pharmacist intern. But then I decided at one point that I'm really interested in doing some research. So that's when I started back in 2012, my PhD. And it was quite uh, interesting, the first couple of years, mostly theoretical. But then we, we got to the practical part. The theme that I selected for my PhD was quite a tough one to work in internally. It was uh, metabolic disease and uh, especially on liver fibrosis and, uh, and liver steatosis. Okay. Basically, I had to reach out to some people and try to do an uh, an internship abroad, and that's how I managed to get a uh, an internship in a laboratory in Paris, which was linked to the Sorbonne University. And how long did you stay in Paris for this internship? So this internship uh, should have been for a year, but it got extended for at the end for around three years. Oh wow! So that was successful. Yes, quite. But it also depended on getting some money for it. That was not the easy part. Yeah, I think it's the same with all the research and development funds, isn't it? It's quite difficult to secure the funds to do your research. Yeah, I think, you know, unless you you have a industry-linked team for your PhD, it's quite difficult to find money for fundamental research. And my, my team was quite fundamental. So basically, it was not the easiest uh, thing to do. But I have to say it was a very, very interesting time of my life, a very hard one, and one that has taught me a lot of things that I'm applying today in my day-to-day job as a consultant for the firm. Okay, so what kind of specific skills you've developed that are helping you today? So first of all, it's, it's very important to know that when you have a scientific mindset, this is something that you, you develop along your career. So I can say that after finishing pharmacy, for example, you, you have a, a mindset that touches the surface of science. Uh, to get this, you know, to further detail this, you need to go uh, a step down. And basically, that's what the PhD does. It molds your brain, your scientific brain, to help you understand more abstract ideas. Basically, I think 
what was interesting, and this is one of the points that I'll mention later on when I talk about my consulting career, one of these points is you don't necessarily need to have a scientific mindset to work in consulting, but having one helps you with a lot of the problems that the clients are facing, which can have a very abstract uh, side to it. Right. That makes good sense. So after finishing your PhD, did you at that point already knew you wanted to go into consulting or did you want to continue with your research career? What was your mindset at that point? Projects in academia, in in research are quite long and you need to work for uh, uh, extensive amounts of time in order to get even small, small results. So the impact of the work is not it's not at the level that today most of the people in the fast-paced world that we live in look at. So I, I think at one point, uh, and this was around maybe six months to a year before I was finishing my internship in the lab, I really thought if I could work all my life, you know, just uh, in a laboratory setting, and I realized that I'm a bit more, my mindset is a bit more dynamic than that, and that that point i i started looking for something else i so you want to have something a bit more dynamic something a bit let's say short term so that you don't have to really wait for something for five ten years to get results but actually work on something and see the results of that quite quickly exactly and and as a pharmacist you also know when you are dealing with the patient you you they come with a problem you're handing them uh, you're prescribing or handing them a prescription medicine and then the patient either gets better or you know in some cases unfortunately doesn't but you see the results of your actions quite fast as opposed to research where your actions might have consequences in 5 10 15 20 years so this led me to look for something that is has a bigger impact and a faster impact when I think about consulting, I normally think about, okay, like you said now with the patients, right? The company has, or the patient has in this case, uh, a problem and you have a solution. So when we talk about pharmacy, the patient has a disease, you have a prescription medicine that can help. Now, in terms of what you do, how would you describe consulting? I, I would describe consulting as applying everything that you learned in dealing with situations and solving problems from all the backgrounds that you ha- might have, scientific and non-scientific, into projects that solve these issues. And I will also expe- expect that the companies that, let's say, hire you for this project, expect that you can solve all the problems, right? Uh, basically, it really depends on the type of project. So now we're, we might be discussing a bit more into detail than high level what is consulting, because you are right. So most of the times, clients come to consulting firms to get solutions for problems they cannot solve themselves. But these problems can have different uh, impacts or different sources. Some of the problems can be they cannot solve in a problem because they have an internal look to it. And sometimes they ask for consultant companies, consultancies to come and solve their problems as an external. Sometimes they, they might have a shortage in, in well-trained individuals. That's another way of why a client would approach a consultancy company, is to get that 
uh, intern that missing internal SME, uh, which is subject matter expert. There are <clears throat> different ways. I think these are only two of uh, two of them, but there are other examples. And specifically, what kind of consulting you are focusing on? Is it focused on research and development and regulatory affairs? Is it kind of business process driven or is it also technical as in the use of technology in the industry? Well, we, that's a very good question. I think you, we, I am involved in most, uh, mostly R&D and regulatory type of consulting. But that, it's not just one dimension, as I mentioned. So basically, you can have in an R&D or in a regulatory project, you also have a technology side to it. Uh, whether it's implementing a new tool or a new system or uh, looking at a methodology, you can have a strategic part to it also. I, I do like projects which have a strategic part, but those ones tend to be a bit more difficult because of, of the importance uh, of that strategy. As we all know, strategy modification, strategy implementation can lead to resounding effects that last for a few years in a, in a company whether it's pharma or, or another industry. So there are different types of consulting projects that I'm, I was involved in. Yeah, it would be interesting if you could tell me about the most interesting project you've had. So what was the project setup? I can imagine that these projects usually involve large and diverse teams. So what was your role in this project and what was the outcome at the end? But one project does come to mind. So it was with a top 20 pharma so a global pharmaceutical company basically they were looking at measuring processes within their company and and uh, this is something that is done regularly to basically any big corporation that has production that has uh, different offices they will look at to measure processes and optimize these processes because that's, that's basically what any big uh, company does. So basically, they were looking at this, um, measuring these processes. And what we had to do was to try and develop ways of measuring, aka uh, key performance indexes and uh, metrics. I think what's important to, to say in this particular context is that this client had not uh, had experience before with these types of, uh, of uh, processes. So basically, we were starting from scratch. And you were doing kind of as-is processes to first of all understand how they do things and then to be processes to develop how the future processes would be and then align this with the key performance indexes or what would be your methodology in improving these processes? So yes, exactly. That's a very good point. You start with what you have. So we were doing as-is processes at the beginning. Then we had to understand what they would like to measure going forward because, as we know, you are changing things not just vertically but also horizontally. So across the organization and in silos. When you try to modify or improve anything in an organization, things shift constantly. So basically, we had to deal with sketching as-is state, also thinking for future state in a shifting environment. And I think this was one of the biggest 
challenges of this project. And I'm also thinking like, you were saying it's a top 20 company, so it's massive, it's global. Were you doing this on a, in a global office, in the headquarters, or did you also go down to local affiliate level and sketch it with them? How was this project driven? Yeah, so it was uh, driven from a globally, basically, and we did have to have discussions with certain uh, people that were also at the country level. But it really depends on the type of organization that you're involved with. Some organizations have projects which, which are driven globally and apply only globally because uh, affiliates might not have such a, uh, a strong word in the, in the context. And there are other companies which uh, play a much bigger role on affiliates versus global or centralization. I think in this case, it was maybe the latter. When it comes to, I also think when it comes to these kind of large scale projects, the big factor in this is change management, right? Convincing people that this process change is actually good because I'm just, I'm just thinking also from my perspective, like change sometimes is difficult. I just like the way things are. Do you also have to tackle these topics or do you have like a change manager to do this? Uh, basically, in, even if you are not a change man- manager, you also need to work on ways of having this implemented. This change change is a big driver, but also a big risk to any company in any context. Working with the people to implement change sometimes can be hard, but at the same time, it can be very rewarding. It really depends on the person. It depends on where they sit in, the culture of the company, if they understand what that change is doing to, to them personally and to the company as a whole. I think in, in this case, I had maybe the, the, the good opportunity of working with the team that was uh, applying this specifically. So they were happy for the change because they understood that this change would mean leaner processes, better measurements, and ways of improving this in um, in in a manner that was not done before. Right. And also with key stakeholder management, are you actually engaging just the key stakeholders or are you engaging on all levels? Again, it's, uh, it depends on the type of project. I think on this particular project, it was not necessarily high-level stakeholders, meaning not the management part of the business, if that's what you're referring to. It was uh, mostly the super users and people that were uh, quite heavily involved in in um, documenting the process itself. So uh, technical, the technical side of, uh, of things, I would say. Okay, so the people who are actually involved in this whole process in the daily jobs. Exactly. And now thinking about, so you do a lot of this consulting how how is this different to what you did in academia? So I guess in academia, when you were doing your research and development, you were th- testing things in the labs and then you know changing and improving things. Do you, would you say that in consulting is the same? So you're testing your different methodologies in the company, and then you take the experience and knowledge you get in one company in one project, and try to apply these improvements also in other projects. Well, yes, definitely. I think this rule will apply to basically any path or job that you choose in your career. I think there are 
there are many similarities between working in, in science, uh, in research and working as a consultant. One of them is learning as you go, definitely. Also improvement in future situations which are similar. I think these, these, these are very clear. I think in ways in which these two um, elements differ would be so the fact that in academia you do need to take care of your own project from start to to finish but you accepted possibly some some constraints around time you don't really have any other constraints i mean you can test a lot of hypotheses and you have that time and you are a bit freer to to use your full imagination let's say in consulting and i would say this to any any job that is business driven you you kind of need to fit in in a certain pattern you have clients that you deal with you have um you know colleagues or your boss or you know people that are from higher up in the organization that you have i would say you have more stakeholders in in consulting that you need to take care of but this makes it more interesting and more exciting at the same time so that also means that there's more expectations on various levels right also inside your own company as well as on the side of your client exactly i mean everyone wants you to develop both vertically and horizontally and just grow exponentially if you can <laughs> but uh, this also depends on your own personality so even if you have 15 people from the client side plus 10 five people from your own organization pushing you in each each and every direction it really depends on yourself how and which path you're going to take to that growth. Right. So in consulting, there's a lot of opportunities to grow in all directions. You just have to be ambitious and make your own decision what you want to do. Absolutely. You need to build a brand for yourself. You need to say, I want to be remembered because I'm good at this and that. So that's, that's the way you grow. And it's, you can choose your own growth path. It's just making sure that that growth path is something that you like to do. And I think what you just said, like building your own brand is a very important thing to do, especially in today's world. What would, you, what would be your advice in, you know, for all the students and young graduates just entering the, the job market, how to start building this brand? Like what kind of things they can do at this level? And also as juniors, you know, as they're progressing in the career to keep this brand strong. Well, I see this every basically every day since pro probably 10 years since I started working. Uh, and I've experienced this in, in, in a few ways. Every time when I am when involved in a project that I care about personally or that I have a strong feeling towards, I tend to succeed. I think the best advice to anyone that wants to build his own brand and wants to succeed in today's quite a um, competitive environment is to love what you do. I know it might sound very, you know, like a cliche, but if you're not really engaged in what you do, you will never be able to push yourself beyond working until that time uh, and then, you know, switching off completely and leaving the tasks for, I don't know, for another time or for another day. I think key to building your own brand is believing in yourself and believing in what you have to say. And I, I really agree and believe in what you just said, because it's the same goes for me in my, in my own career. Like I'm very passionate about what I do and about products that our company has. 
And this is actually pushing me forward to be the brand ambassador, not only of myself, but of the products and the company I work for. And I think this is the enthusiasm and the passion that's um, quite contagious. And I think people like it. Yes, I completely agree. I think, and I, I'm, uh, every time when I speak with, you know, young graduates or people that ask for advice, I always tell them, always do what you love or always, always believe in what you do. If you don't believe in what you do, then choose something else. I think it's, at one point, when you look in this competitive environment that I mentioned, if you keep on investing on things that will not give you a return the, or the return that you need on that investment, then you are going to lose. It might be not in the next five years, but in 10, 15 years, you will realize that you should have invested in something else. Now, I'm also thinking about the people or the students or graduates who don't yet know what they really love because at the university level, you don't really get to know what consulting is or what pharmacovigilance is or any other area. What do you think would be a, the most efficient way to find your passions before actually starting your career? Or do you think it's something that you develop as you go in your career? Uh, there are many, many ways of trying to get some exposure to different parts of professional careers. Uh, one thing would be, for example, internships. when if the graduates have that opportunity, just getting some exposure uh, during the summertime with, uh, you know, a few internships in, um, I don't know, big uh, in consultancies or I don't know which type of industry they would like to join. Also doing a research in an, inter in an internship in a laboratory, for example, even in a pharmacy or in any type of company. I think it's, it's good to try different things. Most of the times you don't end up loving something, you end up hating it, but then you learn and you know that's not for you and you can move on to the next thing. So yeah, I think also being at this level when you can try out things in internships is good because you don't really have to commit to it fully. So you try it for a few months, you see if you'd like it. If yes, you continue. If no, you just go to the next opportunity. Exactly. And it never hurts to have more experiences um, on your CV, right? I mean, uh, just imagine having five or six ex different types of experience experiences will help you when you need to choose with you know your career path will really help you in the future after you finish after you graduate after you finish school yeah i i also believe in this it makes you more well-rounded like in your case you came from academia now going into consulting in my case i went into quality management right after affairs and now i ended up on the commercial side of sales and I'm thinking like back, all these experiences are really helping you as you grow as a professional. Absolutely. I, I truly believe in, in trying um, many things and then excluding the things that you don't like as much as you would like to like them. Exactly. This was a very nice conversation, Andre. I mean, time just flies. We had some really nice topics. I've learned a lot. I see that... Um, with the guests I'm talking, there's a lot of similar teams, like the advice is very similar. So I guess we are mm -hmm. getting into something and mm -hmm. I hope that this advice actually helps people to the, to the listeners. So I would like to thank you for this opportunity and to you know, be on this podcast and I hope to see you soon. I would be very happy to meet up for a coffee and discuss this. I think, I think there are many people that uh, are looking for advice 
And the advice that they need to get is from the people that they see relevant for their careers. So thank you very much also for, for the time and for getting this opportunity to talk to young graduates. I think this is, this is a great opportunity and I wish all of them best of luck and you as well. Thank you for listening to the Famodelic Experience Podcast. You can follow Famodelic on Instagram and Facebook at Famodelic and follow me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, David Kolosic. You can also subscribe to our Telegram channel at Famodelic to be the first one to receive job listings, career advice and similar directly to your mobile every day. I hope you enjoyed the content and if you did, please help us out by sharing with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on your favorite platform to always keep up. This is David. Signing off.